Good morning. Our second reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As Father had sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. It's my privilege to give a talk at this medical service on, on what it means to follow Christ in the challenging and pressurised world of medicine today. Some of you are medical or healthcare students right at the start of your journey. Some of you are newly qualified and taking on life and death responsibilities for the first time. Others listening to this have been serving in the medical arena for years. It's actually 48 years since I started as a medical student at St Thomas's in London. I worked as a paediatrician, a neonatologist and a neuroscience researcher for more than 25 years. Now I've retired from the clinical front line, but I'm still engaged in researching some really complex, challenging issues in medical ethics and technology. The world of healthcare has always been complex, difficult, challenging, but COVID-19 has made it even more so. None of us expected that 2020 would change our lives in such dramatic ways. And many people in the healthcare world have found themselves confronting responsibilities and challenges that they hadn't anticipated. So it's a good time now to step back and remind ourselves about our calling as, as doctors, as healthcare professionals, who are followers of Christ, and maybe to rededicate and recommit one another to what is a very high calling. What the Bible teaches is actually something quite astonishing, that the God of the entire cosmos saw you and knew you and loved you from before the foundation of the world. How can I say that? Well, Leslie Newbigin, a great missionary strategist, wrote this, you have to indwell the story of the Bible as the true story of the whole world. In other words, you have to understand that you also are written into the biblical story. You are part of the drama. So as I say, God saw you and knew you and loved you, and he formed you in your mother's womb, and he pursued you and called you to serve him as a Christian doctor or health professional at this particular and very strange moment in world history. When the first major and lethal global pandemic for a hundred years is sweeping around the globe. Of course, he might have called you to be a Christian physician in a very different era. You might have been called to be a physician at the time of the early church, like Luke, the author of the Gospels who was trained in Hippocratic practices. You might have been called to be a Christian physician at the time of the early plagues in the Roman Empire, or at the time of the Black Death in Europe. 
or even recently at the time of the Ebola epidemic in Africa. But instead, God chose that you should serve him as a medic, as a healthcare professional now in 2020 at a time of a new global plague. Most of us know the Great Commission in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, where Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. But you know, there's another important Great Commission, which is found in the Gospel of John, although it receives less attention from missionary strategists. It's another special moment when the risen Lord Jesus addresses his disciples and gives them their marching orders. He sends them into the world. And it's in our reading from John chapter 20. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. And here it comes, the other great commission. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The original Greek language implies that actually the meaning is in the same way that the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. So Jesus is explicitly saying there's a parallel here a parallel between how he was sent into the world by the Father and now how he is sending us. The Father sent the Son into the world in a specific way, with a specific vocation, a way of reaching out to other people. And now the Son is sending his disciples in a similar way, with a similar vocation, a way of reaching out to people in the same way that the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. So how did the Father send the Son? Well, we're just very briefly going to look at three aspects of that sending and then try to apply that to ourselves as Christian health professionals. First of all, Jesus was sent to serve. The Father sent Jesus into the world not as a triumphant messianic king, but instead in something that was actually quite unique in the ancient world, the paradoxical form of a servant leader. And you find this, for instance, in Matthew chapter 20. The Son of Man came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as Christian medics, Jesus is telling us that we also are called to serve, to take the place of a bond slave to do the dirty jobs that no one else wants to do. That's what Jesus modeled for us. Do you remember in that episode where he washed his disciples' feet, which were smelly and disgusting, or embracing leprosy victims, submitting like a bond slave to the needs and demands of others, and ultimately sacrificing his life for others? So what's for you the brand image of a Christian doctor? Is it the stethoscope, the ITU machinery, the PPE? Well, Here is the brand image of the International Christian Medical and Dental Association. It's a cross and a servant's towel, a towel used for washing feet, a rather smelly, dirty and disgusting article, if you think about it. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you as a slave. I'm afraid one of the besetting sins of doctors around the world is arrogance. 
And I'd like to tell you, of course, that's not a problem with doctors who are following followers of Jesus. But the truth is that medical arrogance is a bit of a stench amongst many Christian doctors too. We want to remind everyone that we're special. We want to make sure that the magic letters DR are placed before our name at every possible opportunity. We want our special status to be recognised. And medical arrogance is like BO or halitosis. You don't realise you have it, but everyone else is painfully aware. Just ask the nurses, the therapists, the care assistants who work with doctors. And I'm afraid that sometimes the newly qualified F1 treats everyone else more arrogantly than the senior consultant does. So if you are a newly qualified doctor or health professional, how are you going to behave now you've reached this social status? In the same way that the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We're sent to serve. And then second, Jesus was sent to stand up for the truth. Jesus was sent by the Father to be light in the darkness. He said, I am the light of the world. And now Jesus is sending us into the world of healthcare. Now, much of this world, the healthcare world, is wonderful, inspiring, thrilling, where God honouring things are happening and where we have opportunities to reach out to others with the love and truth of Jesus. At the beginning of the pandemic, many people told me that morale in the NHS was much better then than it had been for years. There was a feeling of camaraderie, of the team pulling together, looking out for one another, of generosity and compassion. Sadly, it seems that much of that initial camaraderie and motivation has worn off. Instead, there's a rising tide of mental health issues, of burnout, of discouragement, and the prospect of a very difficult and pressurised winter to come. So I have to say that the medical world in 2020 has some pretty dark places, places where vulnerable lives are being deliberately destroyed by doctors, where food and nutrition is being withdrawn from patients on dubious grounds, where abortion tablets are being sent through the post to vulnerable women who are actually being pressurised by controlling men. I'm afraid that some patients in the NHS are being neglected and treated like dirt, even as we speak. Some health staff are being bullied and coerced. There are places of corruption, lies and misinformation. And Jesus is saying to us in the same way that the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Go out there and stand up for truth in my name. So let me challenge you. Are you prepared to stand up for truth, whatever it might cost, to shine a light into some dark places, even if that's, this might be a career-limiting move? We're sent to serve. We're sent to stand for truth. And then finally, we're sent to care. You know, the extraordinary thing that the gospel writers recorded about Jesus is that he didn't just help those who were needy. He was actually emotionally involved, deeply emotionally involved. He revealed a God of pathos, feeling, as well as a God of righteousness. 
And for, as an example, Luke the physician tells us a very moving human story in his gospel. Here is a widow who is burying her only son. She's lost her husband and now the most precious being in her life, her only wonderful son, carrying all her love, her care, her hopes, her future. Her only son is dead and she's burying him. And when Jesus saw that pathetic funeral procession, our English translation tells us he was, quote, moved by compassion. But in the original Greek, Luke, the physician, chooses a medical word, splanknizomai. You can recognise the anatomical word, splanknik. It means of the bowels. So what Luke said was literally was that Jesus' bowels were moved by emotion. The Son of God revealed in the Gospels is not a distant, emotionless spiritual force. He is viscerally involved. The Gospel writers go out of their way to show that Jesus cares emotionally for those he's seeking to serve. He weeps, he groans at the reality of death. He is deeply troubled, like the stirring up of floodwaters. He snorts like an angry horse. And now Jesus is sending us in the same way to care for our patients deeply. You might have thought, and you may have been thought, that it's not professional to care too deeply, that you should cultivate a cool, expert detachment. But you know, when patients and relatives are facing the ultimate catastrophes of death, suffering and medical disaster, the health professional who makes a difference is not a cool, detached expert. It's the professional who is also a human being, someone who cares. It's not an easy calling. I know from my own experience that entering into the suffering of desperate patients and relatives can be deeply costly and even damaging. Nearly 20 years ago, I suffered a major psychiatric breakdown, which was caused largely by overwork and stress. I told the story in a previous sermon at Jesmond Parish Church. You might be interested to look that up. So I'm not recommending that that breakdown caused by overwork might happen to you. As I look back now, I see that my breakdown could have been avoided, that it was contributed to by my own folly and failures. So we all need to make sure that we have a strong support network if we're going to care as Jesus cared. And who is going to be caring for you as you fulfil your calling? Please make sure that you stay close to those special friends, to those relatives and church communities. Keep close to those who can support you in the Christian Medical Fellowship and elsewhere. Those who will pray for you. None of us can do this on our own. Did you notice that before Jesus sent them out into the world, John records something else quite striking. He shows them his wounded hands and his side. It's there in, in verse 20. Perhaps it was symbolic of the fact that being sent by Jesus might be costly, might lead to sacrificial suffering, just as it had cost him. So we are sent, like Jesus, sent to serve, to stand up for truth, to care from the heart. Maybe it all sounds a little overwhelming, idealistic, hopelessly unrealistic. But notice that in our passage in John 20, Jesus does not stop there. Now, in this wonderful symbolic action, he breathes on the astonished disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
In the original Greek, it's more striking. Literally, the Greek says that Jesus blows on them and says to them, receive the holy breath. For the Greek word pneuma means both spirit and breath. So if you are a genuine follower of Jesus, then you too have the mysterious breath of Jesus within you so that you can live like him. That same living spirit that energized him is blown into our hearts so that we can serve as Jesus served. We can care as Jesus cared. And in those mysterious words in our text, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. There's a reminder that as humble followers of Jesus, we can hold out his grace to others. No, we can't forgive anybody, but we can hold out the grace and forgiveness of Jesus to those who are traumatized by guilt, failure, evil, and spiritual pain. And twice Jesus says to his terrified and bemused disciples, peace be with you, peace be with you. It's all right. There's no need to feel overwhelmed. It's going to be okay. Peace. It's 48 years since I started on my medical journey. And I can tell you there's no higher privilege than being called to be Jesus in the world of medicine and healthcare, to be the hands of Jesus, to be the lips of Jesus. And after those decades of trying to follow Christ in healthcare, can I tell you something that I've learned? That 90% of being used by God in the world of healthcare is just turning up and being prepared to be usable. You don't have to be incredibly holy, incredibly wise, incredibly clever, incredibly prayerful, incredibly self-sacrificial. You just have to turn up and say to Jesus, please use me. Despite all my weaknesses, my limitations, my sin, my failures, make me usable, Lord Jesus, in this place that you've called me into. Make me usable. That's a prayer that God delights to answer. And I want to encourage you. There's nothing special about me, but over 40 years, God has been able to use me in the world of healthcare in small ways to serve, to stand up for truth and Christian ethics, to care for thousands of sick babies, including many as they were dying, to find new ways to bring healing to damaged brains through medical research, to care and weep with those who were weeping. And if he can use me, then he can use you too. And if you're sitting there thinking it's all a bit challenging and difficult, then remember that Jesus is breathing his holy breath into your heart and hear him say to you, peace, peace, don't worry. In the same way that the Father sent me into the world, I am sending you.